This is the Impact Report. I'm your host, Katie Elman. The Impact Report brings together students and faculty in Bard College's MBA in Sustainability program with leaders in business, sustainability, finance, social entrepreneurship, and more. These conversations go live the first and third Friday of each month. This week, Bard MBA's Molly Kick speaks with John Radgowski, Vice President of Portfolio Management at Landis and Gear. John, thank you so much for joining us this morning for the Impact Report. Yeah, good morning. Uh, so before we get started and hear more about you, I just wanted you to meet Molly. Uh, Molly is an MBA candidate in sustainability at Bard College. Uh, Molly, could you tell me a little bit more about your interest in wanting to interview John? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've gotten interested in energy in the last couple of years, partly from working with Bard and then partly from um, an experience with my hometown in central Illinois. Uh, a wind farm um, was put in place maybe about a, a year or so ago, it went live. Uh, but seeing that transition and learning a little bit more about how uh, how wind wind power works and uh, learning about the social issues that go along with that, it's been really interesting. And I think it's a really interesting time for, for energy. Um, so thank you again for giving us the opportunity to speak to you today. I really appreciate it. All right, great, excellent. So uh, I know Landis and Gear's mission is to manage energy better. Can you tell us a little more about the company and its history for any listeners that might be unfamiliar with Landis and Gear? Sure. So Landis and Gear, we have a little over 100 years in electric metering um, history. Uh, the last 25 years of that has been what's called in advanced metering and smart grid networking. Um, we're currently publicly traded on the Swiss Stock Exchange. Uh, and for us, our, our tagline, manage energy better, and that really relates to the purpose of our business, right, which is to develop mm-hmm. technology solutions for utilities um, that enable efficient management of energy resources. Um, our board of directors and, and the majority of our shareholders see sustainability as our primary focus, uh, and that's where that manage energy better comes into play. That's great. And I know your background is in uh, intelligent or smart grid technology. How do you describe to the average person uh, what that means and what it is you do? Sure. Uh, Yeah, so I've spent uh, a bit of time at a utility myself. Um, I've also spent uh, a bit of my time focused on um, grid energy efficiency technologies and then uh, and now Atlantis and gear. Um, So what what I tell my kids I do is I I draw pictures and tell stories. Um, And what I mean by that is, um, you know, many of the technologies that are available to utilities, they originate outside of the utility industry. And so part of our role and part of my role at the company is to bring relevant technologies into the utility industry, uh, but only those that, that create value and make sense for the utilities and their customers. So a lot of it also involves educating utilities and policymakers on the benefits of the technologies, so not just the, the technical specifications themselves but the importance of making the investments um, and some of the investments they make now, how they can provide a path forward uh, to future challenges. That's great. Could you maybe um, provide an example of one that you've been working on lately or you're particularly excited about? 
Yeah, so I think uh, the probably the, the uh, there's an, <laughs> it's really hard to choose. There's, there's so <laughs> many of them. Um, but one of the ones we're we're focused on is around interoperability of communication technology. And there is an organization at now um, supporting utilities uh, called Wisefun. And this organization is focused on driving interoperability of IoT, Internet of Things devices that utilities mm-hmm. would use. And so much like Wi-Fi uh, drove that ability for all of us to take our devices into, you know, hotels, coffee shops, airports, and get connectivity, um, this alliance is focused on allowing that same flexibility of choice of device and interchangeability for utility technologies. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, that's probably one very exciting thing that we're doing is, is as, a, as an organization and through this alliance is to to bring those sort of technologies that we probably all take a little bit for granted that we can walk around with our smartphones and our and our laptops and connect anywhere, but to bring that level of technology adoption and ease of adoption to the utility industry. That's great. Thanks. Um, so a little back to back to sustainability. Uh, the con the concept of electrification or uh, converting energy use from um, to electricity from clean generation. That's been getting a lot of attention lately. How does an intelligent grid enable that conversion? Sure, and we spend a, a significant part of our time um, focused on educating utilities, um, policymakers on how um, an intelligent grid is important for them, mm-hmm. and, and, turn, and also uh, from a sustainability standpoint as well. So, traditionally, electricity was created at a central source, right? So you had a generation source that was that sent. Uh, electricity along the grid to customers. So it was kind of a one-way, one-way power flow. Um, you know, sensors were placed in strategic areas to measure and control that flow of energy. Um, but with distributed energy resources such as solar, customer homes now create two-way power flows. And right. so the grid must be equipped with new technologies to handle that change. And so if you could imagine, like if every street was originally designed for one-way traffic, and then now it needed to support two-way traffic, right? You need a lot more traffic control lights and signals just to manage that change of having two-way directions to make sure there's not accidents and congestion. And sure. so an intelligent grid is needed, right? And very much a similar way to measure that two-way traffic and alleviate congestion um, and focus on things like safety and reliability as well. Um, so things like electric vehicle integration, right, needing the ability mm-hmm. uh, for charging and payment infrastructure to work together. Um, HVAC systems, home heating and cooling, right, need to automate controls to balance the load if solar is not producing. Um, distributed generation has to be synced with what's happening on the grid as well, right? Excess solar power can actually create trouble for the grid. It's, again, much like having too many cars on the street. Yeah, that's a really good analogy. I like that, the, the two-way traffic and then too many cars on the street. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Thanks. So um, with this transition to, um, to clean generation, a lot of that is being driven by uh, some different policy goals. Um, I know you're in Virginia. I think there was a fairly recent executive order for carbon-free electricity by 2050, and then I'm in New York, and there's a pretty strong um, policy here as well, getting to clean energy by 2040. Um, how can technology help simplify the energy transactions needed to reach some of those goals? 
Yeah, and I think, honestly, I think in a lot of ways technology is required to meet those mm-hmm. goals. Um, so achieving mm-hmm. a balance between, you know, who is generating, how much is being generated, um, who's getting paid for it, right? That kind of, you know, that changes with distributed energy. Um, and it's still maintaining a stable grid is, is, is the primary focus for, for utilities. Um, but I think it's important to put, and I think technology can help to put energy transactions into terms people can understand. Um, I think, you know, while everyone uses energy every day, I think it's a mystery to a lot of people and mm-hmm. um, it's not necessarily fully understood. Um, and I think there's many examples outside of the industry that demonstrate how technology can be used to sim- simplify a transaction. I know for me, paying my taxes is a great example, right? I, I certainly yeah. don't read through all, all the tax code <laughs> and I don't understand what, you know, to understand what can be deducted, <laughs> you know, to what can be deducted, right? And I think, you know, in the past, right, either, you know, you probably left money on the table, we didn't deduct everything we could, or we went and hired a professional to find if we could get, you know, more deductions. And, and now there's software packages, right? They walk us through, we answer a few questions, it's automated. Um, and it tallies up what our deductions are, right? Um, and so I think technology from a utility standpoint can make energy transactions much simpler. Um, and I think it needs to, especially as we look to promote things like solar and electric vehicles. Yeah. And I, I know you were mentioning earlier, a lot of uh, what you do is talking to, you know, to policymakers and um, helping them understand the need for um, some of this new technology. Uh, has that conversation been been changing in the last few years with these new policies that are rolling out? Is is the type of conversation you're having um, on a different level now? Yeah, and I think honestly, it even goes back to when I was at you know the utility myself. I think you know you know going back in time, um, a lot of the conversation was around if if these technologies mm-hmm. are adopted, what would we do? Um, and now and then it turned into when the technologies are adopted what are we going to do and now it's the technologies are being adopted what what do we need to do and it's about more about the Mm. scale of the deployments and the adoption not necessarily if they're going to be adopted so for me i think that's the, the biggest shift i've seen in the conversations with utilities and with with regulators is the um it's being adopted. What do we do now? What do we need to do now to promote it? And and I think the understanding of it more that these, um, you know, distributed energy resources, solar and electric vehicles, you know, they can have a pretty significant impact on how utilities, you know, manage the grid and what they need in terms of technology. And, and I think there's been a lot more education and understanding about that as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you've, you've touched on this a bit um, with but can you give an example of how consumers will benefit from the changes occurring? Um, talked about the ease of transactions and then kind of comparing it to uh, the, doing taxes, right? Where more technology makes, makes sure that you're not leaving any money on the table. Um, but just an example of how consumers will benefit from some of these changes and updates. Yeah, so um, in terms of metering, so meter platforms themselves are are changing. So a meter itself is no longer just a way for utilities to collect billing data. Um, there are platforms for apps to be delivered to customers and apps that really meet specific customer needs. So, you know, much like a smartphone, you can make a phone call, but you know, you've probably added a lot of applications to your to your smartphone that make your your daily life better right or easier you might have a mobile banking application that allows you to not have to go to the bank 
Um, you probably have a navigation application and, and, and probably a number of applications to to communicate with others. And so mm -hmm. it's that change in the platform that allows utilities to offer new types of products and services to customers um, and to change that that conversation with customers, right? Um, to change it in terms of um, your home, rather than just your home use this much energy at the end of the month and getting a bill, um, for customers to be able to set energy limits and target energy usage amounts so that they can see if they want to look to see what's happening or they can get notified um, that, that things are happening. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, I think now consumers are used to getting that kind of data, whether it's um, from their Fitbit or um, anything they're, they're logging online. But with that data, I'm sure as well, um, you need to develop an approach to, to data privacy and security that maybe uh, is a new level in the utility space. How have you gone around developing an approach to customer data and uh, data privacy and security? Yeah, so, so security and, and you know, data privacy is such a, it's a huge topic for us. There's a lot of sensitivity around that in the market, mm -hmm. and, and, I think there, and I think that's okay. Um, I think that's warranted. I, I would say uh, there's probably enough here to have a whole podcast on security and data privacy. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. do, I mean, it, it, it is thought from the ground up, I mean, in terms of just the hardware itself, the communication networks, the applications themselves, and how data flows. Um, you know, utilities themselves, they're, you know, especially um, those that are governed by regulatory bodies, you know, they have their data privacy standards. Um, we certainly adopt uh, adopt very similar set of policies ourselves from when we're in, in um, when we have access to that same customer information. But I think kind of going back to the smartphone and privacy, um, it's very mm -hmm. similar. So I mentioned kind of a lot of these applications that can um, look to see what's using energy in the home, right? Down to the appliance level, they can, they, these applications can help customers understand how much you know, energy is their stove using or their electric mm -hmm. vehicle using? Do they wanna make a change in behavior? But these are applications. And so in a lot of ways, if a customer wants privacy, um, you don't download the app, right? Uh, much like those applications I don't have on my smartphone, um, <laughs> I think customers will be able to make a choice of, what insights do they want to, you know, to gain from their energy usage? And is that willing, are they willing to sacrifice some privacy uh, for that insight? And, and I think you know, if you look at newer generations of folks with their smartphones, I think we make that every day, right? We open up an application, do we want it to track our location or not? Do we want to right. post this on social media automatically or not? Some of us make those decisions and say no, and, and, and some, some make those decisions and say yes. Sure, sure. Letting people self-select a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, uh, especially with, with energy use and the, this, these new datas, um, we talk a lot about consumer engagement with their energy use. And, and as you were saying, um, uh, opting in or not, but with the spread of uh, machine learning and Internet of Things and um, rise of, of edge, edge analytics, uh, is computer disengagement actually the goal of some of these technologies? Uh, obviously, you need people to, to be involved, but then um, kind of enabling a set and forget capability, making it easier for consumers to participate in the advanced energy economy. Um, is that kind of the goal of, is it more consumer engagement or disengagement? Sure. First, I want to applaud you on using the term machine learning and not artificial intelligence. <laughs> I think 
when it comes to an active grid and the control of information, um, I think it is a lot about the learning side um, and not and not the grid or devices making their own decisions uh, for their own purposes. So I think that's a, a really hmm. important yeah. distinction about the platforms that we're enabling. Um, but in regards to consumer engagement or disengagement, I wouldn't characterize it as a disengagement, but I, I certainly see the level of engagement and the type of engagement changing, but then mm -hmm. even in some cases staying the same. And, and what I mean by that is today, you know, most of us are accustomed to interacting with the utility maybe once a month, right? And right. heaven forbid there's an outage, you know, we pay our bill, we don't really think about energy very much as long as that bill that comes is consistent with what we are expecting, right? If it's higher than we're expecting, maybe we make a phone call. If it's lower, probably don't have enough information today to understand why it's lower, maybe we think it was just might must have been warmer or cooler that month than, than we were expecting, you know, more temperate. Um, but so solar and EVs, they'll bring with them some challenges that may require utility to change how they bill, such as time bearing pricing, right? And so, you know, I don't believe it's sustainable for customers to interact with energy providers on an hourly or daily basis even. I mean, we just, we just all have a lot of other things going on in our life. And, and frankly, we're not used to interacting with utilities at such, a, at such a frequency. And so I think ultimately customers will target a preferred spend, much like you kind of do today, right? As long as that bill is the, the price you're expecting, um, you know, you really probably don't interact very much. Um, we have an example of this in Arizona where we did uh, a pilot program with a utility customer or utility and their customers where they set their maximum energy demand that they wanted to hit and then the meter itself understood this targeted uh, demand threshold and interacts with smart home devices to target oh, wow. that, that energy demand. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. So the, the typical scenario in Arizona is the clouds come in and the solar production drops off. Mm -hmm. And and so what happens in that case is the meter will interact with smart home devices. It'll turn off pool pumps, electric vehicle chargers. It'll change thermostat uh, settings, all based upon the comfort level that the customer has prescribed uh, that they're willing to live with to hit that, that predefined threshold. And then once the clouds go away and the solar production starts back up, um, the meter again interacts with these in-home devices and puts things back to the way the customer wants them to normally run. And, and I think that's a good example where customers, you know, up front, right, they're setting what they want that targeted energy demand to be, but they're not interacting with it on a daily basis, right? Because we all can't be constantly right, looking right. at cloud cover, right? We want to be at the sporting events with our kids or with our <laughs> friends and things like that, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting, thank you. Uh, so with all these changes, um, distributed energy and um, new amount of information we're able to gather, from your perspective, what does the future electric grid look like? Yeah, so much more decentralized, right? But with that much more intelligent, and again, that machine learning term that you used, I think is important. I think, um, you know, it's hard to predict um, things like cloud cover. With electric vehicles, it's going to be, you know, certainly hard to predict overall energy usage at, at such a, a larger scale that's required to charge EVs. Um, and so having, you know, a grid and having devices that can, 
can much more learn how, how energy is used and where it comes from, um, I think is, is, is important. Um, you know, again, the grid today is, is much more radial. It's going to become much more, um, much more of those, those two-way power flows we discussed. Definitely. In your opinion, what do you see as the biggest sustainability challenge we have to take on during 2020? Uh, maybe continued education is <laughs> probably uh, mm -hmm. is probably one thing. But you know, I, for me, I in in you know, if we look at and and really our focus is helping utilities and 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 regulators and and consumers increase adoption, right, of of clean energy um, related devices. And so, you know, for me, I think the challenge has started, and I think it continues well beyond 2020. And I think and and what I mean is it's it's going to be quite some time before distributed energy resources get to the point where customers don't rely on the grid. Right. And until that time, right, until that can happen, we need to focus on enabling clean energy while providing reliable backup generation um, without undoing the environmental benefits that we're trying to get and without doubling the cost of energy. And so I think for, for me that the challenge in 2020 you know, kind of continues is is enabling clean energy, enabling sustainable ways of, of transportation, for example, without doubling the cost of energy or undoing those environmental benefits. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because that reliability piece and, and affordability piece are really key. And as much as you know, we need to, um, as you said, the importance of continued education to increase adoption and, and lead to cleaner energy, you really can't um, sacrifice any reliability or affordability. I think so, and I, and I think we we've, we've seen some examples of that. Um, if you look at kind of major weather events that happen, mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of think through, you know, think out in the future when every home has solar, uh, but a hurricane comes through and blows that solar off of the roof, right? Or a big hailstorm comes through in a pocket of a utility service territory and damages the solar panels. Um, you know, there, unfortunately, there's not a lot of distributed energy storage at this point that lasts the, you know, the length of time it would be required to re repair a roof and put solar back onto every home. And so that backup power is going to be needed for quite some time until we solve that problem. But again, I don't think customers and, and, and policymakers want energy to cost, you know, twice as much to be able to support that backup generation. Right, right, definitely. Okay, and uh, what do you see as the biggest challenge in your day-to-day -day work in sustainability? Oh, yeah, so uh, staying ahead of the curve. So it's um, it's hard to predict where customers will be five years from now. Um, and because technology takes a while to develop, right, we have to perfect it in order for it to, to operate the largest machine in the world, um, the utility grid. You need to start right. well ahead of where utilities want to go. So you know utilities have and policymakers have their crystal ball about where they think things are headed and our crystal ball has to be a bit more forward-looking uh, in that we have to have the technology ready um, we also have to predict customer and utility needs right so and as well as when the policies will be there and in place to implement them is kind of the other the other challenge we have so so for us it always comes back to our mission, right? Manage energy better. And we, we really prioritize our, our decision-making and our investments in technology 
Um, there's a bit of trust, right? We trust that sustainability will maintain to be a focus, that policies will be changed to enable further adoptions. And so that's, that's really kind of what we always come back to. That's great. Would you, would you be willing to speak a little bit about how do you go about predicting the direction of, of um, customer needs and, and utility needs for the next few years um, to get to have that technology in place? How do you go about making those predictions? Well, we, we interact a lot and we do a lot of listening. <laughs> um, you know, we participate in, 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 in regulatory events and trade shows, conferences, uh, focus groups. We, we hold a lot of series of roundtables mm -hmm. um, with utilities and policymakers. Um, looking outside the industry as well. So looking mm. at the, adopt, the predicted adoption rate of um, technologies that use energy. And I think for me, the, one of the, the most exciting things about the industry that we're in, and certainly as, as Landis and Gear as a meter provider, is every other industry is dependent on this industry. Right? Every text message, yeah. every, you know, everything that, that is plugged in, that energy transaction goes through an electric meter. And so if, a, if your Wi-Fi router in your home sends a message that was powered, right, that's a, that's a, that originated as some sort of electron that flowed through some sort of, uh, of meter to be registered and recorded. Um, and so part of what we do is look at the adoption of technologies that use energy um, as a prediction of what will be required to, to manage those energy needs. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. So I think that's the end of my questions here. Uh, John, I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to join us on the podcast. Uh, it was really informative and I really enjoyed speaking with you. So thank you again. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. Learn more about Landis and Gear by visiting LandisGear.com. That's L-A-N-D-I-S-G-Y-R.com. The Impact Report returns to our third season on Friday, February 7th. We'll be joined by Roger McClendon, Executive Director of the Green Sports Alliance. For the complete lineup and other news, visit us at impactreportpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Bard MBA in Sustainability is one of a select few graduate programs globally that fully integrates sustainability into a core business curriculum. Learn more at bard.edu slash MBA.